You're listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast, where we believe that every teacher deserves a coach, and every coach does too. I'm Chrissy Beltran, an instructional coach, resource creator, and coffee enthusiast. And I'm your host. Stay tuned for practical tips and honest coaching talk that will help you coach with confidence. Hey, coaches, this is Chrissy Beltran from Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm really excited about a special guest that we have that's going to help us think about how to provide feedback to teachers in a way that doesn't tick them off, but also pushes the envelope a little bit with every conversation. Today, my guest is Nicole Turner of Simply Coaching and Teaching, and she provides the simple how-tos for instructional coaches and teachers. Nicole, thank you so much for being here today, and I'm excited to talk to you. Oh, thank you, Chrissy, so much for having me. I am so excited to be a part of this podcast. Awesome. Um, you want to give us a little bit of background about yourself, Nicole? Yeah, sure. So I have been in the field of education for about 15 years. I've did a little bit of everything, <laughs> as you as you can see, part of my resume. So I've been a coach, actually, for about um, five or six years, about six years. I've been in different fields of uh, actual coaching. So I've been a district coach and then a building coach as well. Um, my background is elementary, so I do K-6, but I have an administrative license and experience as K-12. Um, I've always worked in challenging areas. So I did a lot of work, uh, school turnaround work, and I worked for the Department of Education, um, the Indiana Department of Education as a school improvement and turnaround specialist. So I got a lot of experience there, which really helped me to become a coach. Um, so as far as my coaching path, <laughs> this is so funny. I never even knew what an instructional coach was. Um, one year, well, when I first became a teacher, I was rift every year, right? So like it was surplus of teachers, not like how it is now, but it was a surplus of teachers. I always got um, let go every year. And this one particular year, we had this cadre and um, one of the coaches at the district level said, hey, I want you to do this job. And I was mm -hmm. like, what? What is this? They were like, hey, come and interview. So I was like, okay, cool. So I went and I interviewed. I had no idea what I was talking about. All I did was talk about what I did in the classroom as a classroom teacher. And then the next day I was hired. So it was a wow. really good opportunity. Um, but then I was thrown into the mix of not knowing exactly what to do um, and trying to figure it out. You know, that's really similar to my story. Um, I wasn't expecting to be an instructional coach either. And someone told me to go interview for a position and then bam, you're a coach. And you're like, whoa, that was not what I was expecting to happen this year. Yeah. Um, but, but that's great. The experience that you have, I'm sure has really supported you in working with teachers um, in an effective way. So can you tell us every coach has completely different jobs? It seems like, right. Um, yeah. Depending on your district or your administration or, you know, just the, the nature of the work at your campus, um, your roles might be super different. And so one of the questions that we get a lot is what responsibilities should I be doing as a coach? Which is a little bit different than the question, what responsibilities do you do, <laughs> do you have as a coach? <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit about what your coaching work looks like, um, you know, where you spend your time, what kind of responsibilities your coaching work includes? Yeah, sure. So what I will kind of do is talk about what I have did over the years a couple of different times. Because so like you said, I've been in different buildings. And so my administrative kind of re acquired me to do it different ways. And okay. so in, in my elementary role, 
when I was an elementary coach. I did a lot more of more coaching cycles, more in the classroom, more modeling, more team teaching, um, more content planning. I did a lot of that role and I didn't do so much professional development. So I did a kind of, it was more of a balance of more of being in the classroom and then more of um, working in the balance piece as far as my responsibilities. But now that I am coaching at the secondary level, it looks a little different because I have different departments. And so it's not the same (laughs) as it is when it's with the elementary um, world. So in my role now, I provide more professional development. So I have a PD day every week, which is every Tuesday. And then every Thursday, I facilitate POCs. So the POC, you know, is kind of different from PD, which sometimes we use those words interchangeably. Um, But the POC, we really do um, more of that data drive, really looking at student work, really having conversations around content being um, taught making sure that the content is mapped to the standards and the skills, even talking about a lot of those baseline, um, the baseline content and the baseline uh, skills that the students need Mm -hmm. or the foundational skills that those students need. So I I do a lot more of that work. And then I do a lot more of just walkthroughs, providing feedbacks Mm -hmm. and coaching cycles just for newer teachers versus the coaching cycles to grow teachers because this year I have about 13 on my caseload, but along with providing PD every week. Right. I'm also a testing coordinator um, for my building. So just with all of that, (laughs) I'm not able to do it as much as I did when I was in the elementary world. Sure. The, the phrase testing coordinator, you just said it and it's just like my heart just squished in my chest. That is the worst <laughs> job ever. So I commend you for taking that responsibility. <laughs> oh, man, I, I really want But this is the one thing. So last year, my principal I was moved to a new school. So my principal was like, you're the testing coordinator for everything. And I just was wow. like, this is high school, like it's different mm-hmm. in high school. You have. um final exams. So you have to make sure that you do a schedule for that. You have, um, in Indiana, we have I-STEP, we have um, retesters, because if they don't um, pass it, then you do it again in, in December, in the fall, you do it again in May, then you do it again in March. Like, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Then you have ESL testing, and then you have special education follow-ups, and then everything is, you know, it's just so much. So my principal this year decided to uh, split it between about three of us in the building which is good. So I am the coordinator for um, specific assessment to our building assessment. So our final exams, I make sure that I, you know, work with that schedule. And then the NWEA, which is our benchmark assessments. So I do that. There's another, our AP does the I-STEP, the, you know, high stakes testing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I did the PSAT last year, part of that. So Wow. And then we have another coordinator for all of our ESL students because they have to have all of those um, mm-hmm. tests completed. Mm-hmm. Well, may the force be with you on that one, because that is one <laughs> thing I do not miss. <laughs> I know that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so I think what you're what you're talking about here is how different um, coaching work is, depending on the, the level that you're at and the school that you're at. So yeah. you're spending two of your days 
basically locked in a room with teachers, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Providing yeah. content or direction or looking at um, data or planning. And mm-hmm. um, so then the, the feedback that you provide to teachers, you know, that's our main goal of this, this conversation today is mm-hmm. to give some people, give people some actionable tools that they can use when they go back to provide te- feedback to their own teachers. Right. So because your time is so limited in those classrooms, your feedback has to be really on point, right? Um, yes. Because you are trying to constantly support teachers and push them and support them and grow them. Um, whether that's a new teacher or a veteran teacher, even though I know Mm -hmm. your coaching work is mostly focused on coaching cycles are mostly focused on new teachers right now. So, um, what do you find are the benefits of providing feedback to teachers about their practice? Cause it's not an easy thing to do. So how do, how do you make that work for you? It's not an easy thing to do. And throughout the years, I've learned some of the tricks of the trade. Um, One specific thing is to make sure that when you go in to observe a teacher, that you are writing down specifics. Mm -hmm. So I call it evidence-based observations. I know there are like 90 different thousand terms of the way in which you could call this, but I focus on the evidence base. If I'm looking for something specific, I have a goal in which I am doing to observe something that we've been working on in our coaching cycle. Mm-hmm. Then I'm looking specifically, how is it being implemented? What is, what is the teacher doing? And also what are the students doing? I don't want to just focus on what the teacher is or is not doing. I want to focus on what the students are doing as well. So then I can give the teacher feedback on how to implement whatever it is, whatever changes that need Mm -hmm. specifically for the students, for the climate and the culture for his or her classroom. So for instance, when I do those observations, I write down names, I write down what's happening in the classroom, I write down um, what the student is doing, how, and then suggestions on how you can um, improve on that particular piece. So I make sure that it's all about evidence. One thing that we did a couple of years ago, we started doing a video coaching. If, if mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of teachers or coaches are familiar with it and they're kind of like thinking more about it, um, especially because Jim Nice's book um, talking about the, the video coaching part. But video coaching is huge. Um, and I like to utilize that, especially with my newer teachers, because they're a little more open <laughs> um, to utilizing the video. And they don't feel as though I am trying to get them or I'm going to do something else with the video. So I utilize video a lot and I allow them to record it. I also have a feedback video feedback sheet that I have for them to fill out. So they watch the video of themselves. They watch, they write it out. Um, and then we go from there. Um, then, then they share it with me. So I never own the video, right? I never get to have rights. I just view the video. Um, and then I will complete that exact same form. So we, so we're mirroring. So when we meet, it's intentional and we'll look at the video together and then I can share what I saw and then she or he can share what he saw specifically of the questions that we got. And then it, it makes a world of difference of that specific feedback. So that's where I feel like the benefits are um, making sure that they're evidence-based and making sure it's something that they can see um, so that they can then take it and quickly implement it. So feedback is always about giving specifics and allowing them to be able to immediately um, implement it right away. 
You know, I love that idea so much. And I'm sure that I can hear coaches pencils moving everywhere as they write that down, because <laughs> that is so great v- video feedback or video lessons that where teachers can actually see themselves. Mm-hmm. It changes your perspective so much when you see what you're doing um, on camera and you can really see where you're putting your attention. You can hear the language you're using and not just the language you think that you're using. Yep. Um, so it's so precise and accurate. I love that idea. And that you both fill out the same form is such a great way to do that too, because then when you get together, you have some, some common talking points, but you may have noticed completely different things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you see it differently. But just think about you watching your classroom mm-hmm. um, and you get to see what the students are doing that you didn't see, you right. know, because we don't get to see it all the time. Yes. And you're like, well, and then in your mind, it starts to go through like, well, I can put this in place mm-hmm. in order for this to, you know, take place. I can put this in place in order to avoid students doing this. So it's, it's eye opening in so many different perspectives. I believe that, you know, even just having another person in your room sometimes changes your perspective because I can remember being in the middle of a lesson um, and my principal walked in and suddenly I felt like my brain was transported across the room and to the door where he was standing and I was trying to see things from his eyes Mm -hmm. and trying to see it from a different perspective makes an impact. Actually seeing it from a different perspective (laughs) would be so much more impactful. So do you provide feedback? You're talking about taking notes, which I totally agree with because you want to be specific and accurate um, in the feedback you give to teachers. Do you provide feedback to the teachers in writing or do you just have a verbal conversation? So I do both. Okay. Um, And so I do this thing called um, positive feedback. So I do a walk every month um, and they're little themes, little notes that I take and and I go in. So like for... January, because we live here in Indiana where it snows a lot. (laughs) So I'll leave a little card that says, um, thanks for snowing your knowledge on students. And I'll leave that with a cute little, um, you know, like a a mint or different something like that. So I leave that positive feedback that Mm -hmm. way. So my regular feedback, I do, um, I have a Google Doc that I have, and then some I have some, you know, my observation forms, and then I'll just write some of that kind Mm -hmm. of as together during our meeting, and I'll give that to the teacher. Okay. Um, So I'm very open and transparent about the feedback that I give them, and I also am very open and transparent um, about making sure that they understand you know, where I'm coming from and, and their takeaways. So we have the verbal conversation, but then there is a, um, you know, on a little feedback form, I'll make sure I give them specific things, what I observe, some of the key points that we talked about in our conversation, and then the takeaways or their next steps of what are some things that they need to do. Okay, great. I used to do something similar. It wasn't as quite as structured, but um, yeah, I would, I would take notes and then kind of reformulate those notes into something that I would share with the teacher. And then mm-hmm. I actually had carbon copies and I would keep a copy and provide the teacher. This was old school. Okay. Oh, I, uh, <laughs> I know that you, you tech people, you Google docs, people are rolling over. Like you're, it's really stressing you out that I just said carbon copy and I meant it literally, but that is what I used to do. Um, I like being able to lay things out across my table and notice patterns. And so that was really helpful to me is I could literally lay them all out and look across my whole set of stuff and then kind of see what patterns I noticed coming from that teacher so I could help provide them with some direction. So it was nice having something tangible for me. But I Google Docs are, is an amazing way to coordinate so many things. And you can have teachers actually provide response to that too and record that. So, so I yeah. love that approach. 
Yep. So you mentioned that feedback, whenever you go in to provide feedback, that you are often focused on one specific thing because Mm -hmm. it's part of your coaching cycle. Right. right? Do you ever um, provide feedback that is kind of just more generalized or is it always targeted on that coaching cycle? What it is that I do is that I do a baseline observation at the beginning of the school year. So I go in and I look at five different focuses um, in the classroom. So I look at like lessons, objectives, of course, in my district, we look at observations. Every district doesn't, but we look at, um, I mean, I'm sorry, objectives. What's on the board? Do they have, you know, the compliance piece um, that's on them? Then I look at the environment of what's happening in the classroom. What is the teacher doing? What is the students doing? How are the students responding to the teacher? How the teacher is responding to the students? Um, if it's in a positive way versus negative, kind of all of that, looking at that type of environment. Are routines in place? Are things structured, um, how the classroom is set up, the functionability of it, um, kind of that way. Then I look at the instructional execution, like how the, the teacher is teaching, what strategies utilizing, um, and then moving into like the third one of checks for understanding. Are they doing assessments? Kind of, you know, that part. And then finally, the academic behaviors of kids, like how they're responding Um, and what it is that they're doing and kind of the behavior management um, part. So when I do a baseline observation, that's kind of what I do. And I look at um, those pieces. So not every time I do um, the observation is structured. I mean, that's kind of an overview of what good teaching is or what's good happening happening in the classroom. Um, So that's kind of what I do for that. But I'm very... I guess I'm just, it's just me. I'm very meticulous about when I'm in a coaching cycle that I choose that one thing and I provide that specific thing and that feedback for that goal rather than to be all over the place. Mm -hmm. Um, Because sometimes we can go into a classroom and you know, and I'm sure as a coach, you can go in and you see 19 different things. You like, "Uh uh-uh, girl, you need some help. (laughs) (laughs) There's some real things. But I (laughs) The things that we can quickly implement and mm-hmm. get the most bang for our buck immediately, mm-hmm. um, where we can make the most effective change in the classroom. Um, and so that's kind of been my model. Yeah, I like that because that's very targeted and purposeful for the teacher as well. And they know that they are working on something that you're going to notice. So sometimes teachers do all this stuff and it feels like nobody notices, nobody ever follows through on the things they've been asked to do. But if you're coaching them on a specific aspect, on one of those specific domains that you talked about, then they know this is where I'm really working. I'm going to grow this area. And so they know you're going to see the impact of that work that you're doing together, which is great. That's a great way to to give them feedback that is <clears throat> purposeful and is also um, going to value and acknowledge the work that they're doing. That's yes. awesome. And, and they yes. can see growth. They could definitely see growth. Right. Yeah, That's yeah. beautiful. Um, so in keeping, you know, in that same idea, the idea, the idea of providing feedback is that we're giving mm-hmm. teachers support while we are providing a push. And that can be a challenge. Um, you talked a little bit about the structure of your feedback, including um, some praise, some positives, and also some, some areas to grow in. So how do you balance that, though, when you're providing feedback? How do you, um, how do you know you're giving teachers enough of a push? 
Um, <laughs> probably their faces. <laughs> when I'm looking at them and they're like, are you serious? Like, like well, that was a little bit much of a push right there. <laughs> yes. Um, but no, I think one of the biggest things is, again, going back to that, that point of what can we implement immediately to make mm-hmm. change, to make the greatest change at the smallest amount, in the smallest amount of time? Mm-hmm. Um, and not just for the teacher, because I know a lot of times we focus our coaching around teacher actions, but also what the students and how to get that student change or the student action change as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I provide feedback, I do like to do um, what you guys call the sandwich method. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do. And, and you know what? I think probably just because when I was in the classroom and when I was talking with administrators in the beginning, it's like you always start the conversation off with positive stuff. So I try to. Um, but I also went in my feedback meeting. I try to make it very personable um, and not so what do you say, like, so formal and right. so, you know, this is just about work type of thing. So right. I may start off my conversation with saying, hey, Chrissy, how's your daughter? You know, how are mm-hmm. things going? How is your mom or how is your dad? Or, you know, that kind of stuff, some previous conversations that we may have had that they mm-hmm. kind of shared. So I always try to talk something about their personal piece just to get people relaxed, a little bit more comfortable. That wall kind of comes down. Mm-hmm. Um, I may talk about the craziness of my three children because I always <laughs> have a crazy story <laughs> of what's going on and what's happening over here. Okay. So I, um, I always try to start off with that. And then I'll say, you know, thanks so much for letting me, you know, come in your class today. Um, and then here are some of the things that I saw. And I always talk about the positive things that I saw first. Mm-hmm. Um, and if there is like what we just talked about, if there's some growth, if there's some things that, yes, they're working on this particular um, focus this week, or this month or this cycle, and I saw growth in that, I am definitely praising about it. I'm telling you how much growth I saw. I am so excited for the changes. And then I'm specifically providing feedback on those changes. Mm-hmm. So for instance, if if I went to Ms. Johnson's class, right? And Ms. Johnson is working on implementing routines in her classroom. And when I went to observe it, she had literally put in a, a welcome routine or a walk-in routine for the kids. And they knew where the pencils were and they knew how to get their stuff. And they immediately came in and worked. And before it wasn't like that, but she implemented it. I'm seriously like, Ms. Johnson, Girl, you got it going on. I am so excited. But And then I asked them, how do they feel about the growth and the change? Mm-hmm. So my conversation is like, whoo, I saw it. It is doing good. You're doing awesome. But at the same point, like, how do you feel that it's going? Like, how do you feel that it's changed? Like, has it made your classroom a little bit smoother or... Right you know, kind of go through that. So I really want to attach and and get to their feelings Mm -hmm. before I ever provide Mm -hmm. any additional next steps. Okay. Constructive pieces to that. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a strategic thing (laughs) Um, to try to get that feel good. So I get you relaxed, you know, then I talk (laughs) about your growth and get your feelings into it. Mm -hmm. And then we move into, okay, so now that you've gotten that far and now you see and you've experienced some successes, let's talk about how we can take you further as a teacher. And here are some of the things that I saw in the classroom. And then here are some of the things, the next steps. And then what are your thoughts about that? And Mm -hmm. what do you think is the next step for you? So I don't ever push it as me being the person 
who is telling you what your next step should be. I allow you to kind of grapple through that process. And we do a lot of, of talking back and forth about what that looks like. So that end game, what should that look like? And then what are some of the things that you need to do in order to get to that, that end game goal? Um, and then I allow you to choose what it is that you want them to do. Now, here's the thing. In your mind as a coach, you have to already know what it is <laughs> you want them to do. Yes. And then you have to, um, as I kind of say, help people to understand what it is that they need without them knowing um and so just kind of have that kind of conversation around it and then let them have that buy-in um Mm -hmm. you know with the choices in in which they they choose that they want to do next and it it seems to work out better um Mm -hmm. when you utilize that type of model so it's kind of like the sandwich model but a little bit more silly um a little bit more relaxed type of um approach that I do and not everybody has that personality and I get that um, I'm more of a personable person. I can probably laugh and, and with the best of them, you know, um, I tell jokes, I, I'm funny, you know, I'm always telling a story. Um, but for coaches to become more of you, become more of an authentic person versus being somebody else, um, when you're in that feedback meeting and once that shield is down and people get to know that you authentically want to be a, a part of their success, um, and you are vested in their success as a teacher, um, then it becomes a lot more, the feedback conversation becomes a lot more um, relaxed and approachable. That is such great advice. Um, I really like <clears throat> that you talked a lot about being authentic because that is really true. I've seen coaches who feel like, well, I have to praise something and I don't see anything that I want to praise. And so they'll kind of make something up. And that, that can be really dangerous. Um, first of all, it feels inauthentic to the teacher. They're like, give me a break. And then second of all, it feels, if you're praising something that isn't really a good practice or isn't really happening, then the teacher can feel like they're doing a good job in that area, even mm-hmm. if it's not really going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that can be really dangerous. And you have to be a real person, but you also want to find something to praise. So that can be, that's one of the more challenging aspects. But, you know, whenever you, I like the way you have those different domains in your baseline observation, because that can give you different areas to look at. So if there's something really glaring that's going on, like perhaps the um, management is a real issue, which is a very common issue um, mm-hmm. in classrooms, whenever you go visit and provide feedback, maybe the management is a real concern, but they have those objectives posted. And their lesson was about the objective. So you can hunt down something from that original baseline, those different quadrants, or there were five, six, five or six. It's five. Five. Okay. There were five different objectives or different targets you were looking at. Mm -hmm. Um, You can find something in that nice list to praise and to give positive feedback and to note, even if they're trying something, sometimes things don't work, but people tried it. And so you can say, Hey, I noticed you tried this thing right? How do you feel about it? Well, I didn't, didn't go so well, but you know what? That's the process of learning. We're going to try stuff. It's not always going to work out. Um, But if teachers are being brave and putting themselves out there and trying something new, that's a step in the right direction. So that's really important to notice. But Um, you know what? I want to also say that coaches have to do the same. They have, you have to put yourself out there. You have to get into those classrooms. You have to provide the feedback. You have to think through, you have to plan um, to do some of those things as well. I think that is key to providing a good feedback um, meeting. 
And that is kind of what I'm going to ask you about next, because that makes me think about um, how stressful some of the work, work of coaching is, because mm-hmm. building relationships with teachers is really hard sometimes yep. um, for lots of different reasons. I, we just recently had our coaching reset on December 30th. I say recently because obviously we're recording this before <laughs> the day is released. And so um, I gave a session on coaching resistant teachers and communicating with teachers who don't want you around is a real bear sometimes. Um, it can be stressful. It can make you feel sick. Uh, you check your email all the time, afraid that they've responded to you <laughs> and also hoping that they've responded to you. You have mixed feelings about it. Um, you don't know how they're hearing what it is that you're saying. And it can be just really a scary thing. But sometimes we have to have difficult conversations with teachers. Real honest things are going on that we have to address because nobody else is going to address it. It's our yeah. job to do that. So yeah. how do you prepare for that kind of a tricky conversation where you know it's possible that the teacher isn't going to want to hear what you have to say? So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, aside from, you know, like, I mean, beverages and, <laughs> <laughs> you know, crying and, and, and generally just, you know, being freaked out, you know, what do you actually do that's helpful? <laughs> um, I think for me, my thing is just making sure that I have those key points, mm-hmm. making sure that I have evidence. Again, that goes back to what we talked about earlier, making sure that we have evidence-based observations that, um, you know, the best part of that kind of conversation is having that video um, Mm -hmm. and for them to have saw themselves um, and then they make the realization. But if you don't have the video and, and I know some districts are against it and unions and all that kind of stuff. But if you don't have that video, just be prepared for the pushback. Mm-hmm. You have to make the, prepare the mindset that you're going to stay in a positive space and mm-hmm. it's going to take a lot from you, but making sure that you then continue to spin it in a positive light. You know, so if I have a teacher that is completely, um, the classroom management issues are huge, um, I'm going to definitely try to, spit. if they try to continue to blame it on the kids, then I have to say, okay, right. well, what are some of the things that we can do that we can put in place well, because we already know what the students are going to do. So how can we be proactive versus reactive yes. and be prepared? And so I'm prepared to make that positive or to try to always spin the conversation in a positive light. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to not validate the teacher because they have valid points. I mean, sometimes we have students that are just out of control in the classroom and it really, um, is a problem with the other students in the classroom. And you have to say, I understand that. Like, I know. Validate them on that, but then push them to then think about being proactive. If you know that Johnny comes in the classroom every day and he goes to the same corner and he does X, Y, and Z, right? He does it every day, right? Mm-hmm. So instead of um, reacting to that, We already know. Let's put a plan in place. Mm -hmm. Let's talk to Johnny before he comes in the door and say, hey, Johnny, today I want you to do X, Mm -hmm. Y, and Z. You know, I want you to do this, 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 and that. And so I always try to give teachers that perspective of being proactive versus reactive and then push them to think about that and try to keep my mindset in a positive light. So that's kind of how I work with that. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I think that's a really important thing to remember is is to kind of have some sit and starters 
ready or some ideas ready that you can use to pivot back to, so what are we going to do? Yes. So yes, you're right. This is a real issue. It's totally true. It is totally true that this is happening and it's a problem and I can see that it's affecting you and it's affecting other kids. So what can we do? The only one we can control in the classroom is ourselves. That's a line that I used to say to teachers a lot because, um, of course, you cannot control a child. You cannot control an adult. You cannot control anybody else. The only right. one that you can control is yourself. So knowing that, what can we do differently to approach the situation to create a different outcome? Yep. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, so how do you keep a conversation from veering off topic? If teachers start to, like you mentioned, well, so-and-so, you know, he, every day he comes in and he does the same thing, but you know, it's his home life because the parents don't do this and the parents, this and that. And then this is, and his teacher last year, but you know, that's a real problem we have on this campus. And so eventually like all of a sudden you realize, oh my gosh, we're not even remotely talking about the Mm -hmm. purpose of this conversation anymore. And it took us one minute and we are completely derailed. How do you get teachers back on focus? Well, you know, I take the approach of sometimes they need to vent. Mm -hmm. So I let them. Mm -hmm. And then when they have completed their venting, (laughs) I then come back to say, I understand that. Validate their concerns Mm -hmm. and then come back to, I understand that. Now, how can we make sure that we do X, Y, and Z? Right. So I'm just always a redirector. Mm -hmm. I like to be more of a listener, provide Mm -hmm. feedback, yes, but I also want to hear where the teachers come from. Mm-hmm. The good part about that is that one, you get to see if you have a super negative teacher, if it's all negative, if you have a optimistic teacher, if you have a teacher that's super positive, or if you have a teacher that just doesn't know, I mean, you know, it's like you get so much from just listening mm-hmm. to them. And then it helps you to be able to formulate your path um, and know what road you're going to take with that teacher. So for me, it's just always redirect. I do let them vent. I want them to feel like my office, me, we're a team that they have the opportunity to be heard, um, even if I don't do anything with the information, but at Mm -hmm. least they have spoken, they've said it, um, and then I just try to redirect them back. I I do plan an agenda. Okay. Mm -hmm. And like a checklist. I am a checklist, post-it note woman all over the world. (laughs) (laughs) I am doing that in all aspects of my life. Yes, I am right there with you. (laughs) Yeah, so I am going to do a checklist or these are the specific points that I need to make sure that we talk about. And so I'm always redirecting us back to that Mm -hmm. and making sure that we get some type of solution. And when we get that solution or next steps or um, whatever, I check it off and move on to the next thing. Okay, great. So having that guide tells you whenever you veered off track, you know where you're coming back to. So you're not just sitting there floundering going, oh my gosh, I don't even know what to do with this. You let them vent and then you say, okay, you're right. This is true. I'm, I, that's a real struggle. And I, I can imagine how you feel about that. Yeah. You know, I've been there as well. And so let's talk about what we can do. And then you come back to your agenda and redirect. Yeah, the redirecting is important. It can feel sometimes I've been in conversations with teachers, especially when I was a new coach, where I felt like, oh my gosh, they've taken over the conversation and I don't know what to do to get us back on point here um, because the negativity was just astounding or the um, the overwhelm was clear, right? And so mm-hmm. responding to that emotion that they're having and saying, you know what, I can see that you've got a lot of strong feelings about this. Yes. You can say that. You can say to a teacher something that acknowledges what they're saying and what they're doing and what their emotions are because it's real. And sometimes it's a surprise that somebody would call us out on something like that. I remember one year I was really struggling as a teacher and I was talking to my instructional coach and I said, I just, I feel really frustrated. And she goes, you know what? I've noticed that. And I was like, 
You can tell. I just, I was shocked <laughs> that what I was putting out in the world was frustration. I had no idea. Well, I mean, I had a little bit of an idea, but I didn't expect her to say that. So mm-hmm. I was like, wow, I really need to think differently about the way I'm presenting myself if this is so clear to other people. Yeah. Um, and she was like, you know, that one day you made this comment and I was like, that does not sound like Chrissy. And I was like, holy smokes, you're right, it didn't. It's <laughs> yeah. not who I usually am. So, you know, honesty is, is good. Honesty is, is good. You just have to f- say it in a firm but kind way. Um, I can see that you're frustrated. I can see that you're upset. I'm, I'm feeling that you're, you're overwhelmed with all of these responsibilities. And I understand why, because we've got a lot going on. You can res- respond to that and still say, so what can we do? Yeah. Let's come back Absolutely. to some next steps. Because if, te- if teachers are not walking away from your conversations with next steps, then you're not giving them anything. Right. right? It's pointless. It's just us sitting around chatting for nothing. Right. <laughs> Which I feel like they get enough of that during faculty meetings. So. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, you're going to get us in trouble, Christy. <laughs> hey, it's true. This is true talk for coaches, okay? That's why we're here today. So um, if listeners only walk away with one idea from you today, what would it be? If there's one little nugget or one statement or one strategy you want them to have that they can apply or that would change their work, what would it be? Um, The biggest thing is to have the mind shift or a mind change or mindset or whatever Mm -hmm. it is that you want to say, but make sure that you have that positive and that growth mindset within yourself. Um, You have to check yourself. That's the biggest thing that I've seen working with coaches over the last couple of years is that coaches blame teachers, teachers blame students things are not happening, it's just a blame game all around. And so rather than to be a part of that cycle, um, change your mindset and try to look at things from a positive perspective and always try to be a solution Mm -hmm. and not um, an addition to the problem. Mm -hmm. Um, And so being a solution, if people come to you with a problem, how can we solve it? What are some of the things that we can do? Because we can vent all day, guys. I mean, we can literally vent all day about all the problems and all the things, right? We have, we have. (laughs) And we know that that they exist, but the biggest thing is that how can we solve them, even if it's a small step towards the bigger goal, um, but be on that path. So Mm -hmm. really have that growth mindset, be positive and, um, you know, be encouraging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. The idea of what can we do together? We know mm-hmm. that there are problems. What can we realistically do within our sphere of influence? Let's yeah. figure something out. Let's figure out a plan. That was something I tried to approach with my teachers a lot. Let's figure out a plan. If we have a plan, we can try it. If we don't yeah. have a plan, then we're just floundering. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes. But to the perspective of making sure that the coach has that positive yes. mindset, mm-hmm. because I'm telling you, I've worked with so many people who just don't have a positive mindset and that growth mindset and and looking at it as a perspective of things can change versus we're helpless. Mm -hmm. And so if you have that things can change mindset, your teachers kind of will follow a little bit. And I'm not Mm -hmm. saying 100% of them will. Right. But there's a good percentage that they will start to think that way as well. Mm -hmm. And they will trust that you can help them do that work. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Beautiful. So, okay. So there are a couple things. First of all, where can coaches go to learn more from you? Oh, well, they can visit my blog. <laughs> <laughs> it is called uh, Simply Coaching and Teaching, www.simplycoachingandteaching.com. Um, mm-hmm. Sometime in the next three months, it will be a new site. So Ooh. if you go and you see it looks a little 
eh, right now. <laughs> <laughs> but in in a few weeks after this podcast goes live, it should look a little better. <laughs> awesome. That's exciting. And then we have some other exciting news. Nicole and I are in cahoots. Um, she is, she's a pusher guys. She is, that's why I was like, how do you push teachers? Cause I know she does. Cause she pushes me all the time. Um, she invited me to do the simply coaching summit last summer. And I was like, that's a long video and I'm going to need a haircut. And so that was very stressful for me, but I did it and I loved it. And then she pushed me to do the Simply Coaching Reset in December, which was amazing. It was so great to um, communicate with teachers about coaching resistant, I mean, with coaches about coaching resistant teachers and really get um, live feedback. That was a live event. So getting that live feedback from people, you know, in the moment was incredible to really hear about what their challenges were and what we can do to change the relationship we have with teachers. So Nicole has pushed me to try something new and I'm super excited about it. Um, Nicole, do you want to talk about what we've got going on in February? Yes, yes. So it is exciting for us to talk about um, one of the biggest things is that let's be honest, uh, from the, the summer reset, and, I mean, from the summer summit and then the summer reset, the um, reset that we just did, we get so much feedback from coaches that are saying, we don't have PD. Mm-hmm. We don't have anything specific for us. We don't have training. And then the training that is provided is so expensive that either districts don't have the money for it and of course, you know, our pockets are very um, <laughs> limited yeah. um, on our teacher salaries. So we are providing a membership program for instructional coaches. And I'm Woo-hoo! so excited for it. Yes. Um, so guys, this uh, new membership program, which we haven't named yet, we'll give it a name. Right, Chrissy? <laughs> by, we'll give by it- now it has a name. By the time you're listening to it, it has a name. We just don't know <laughs> yes. what it is at this time. Well, that's true. We don't know today. <laughs> But by the time this goes live, we'll have a name, guys. We'll have a name. But um, this coaching membership is all about providing support for instructional coaches all around the world. As we saw mm-hmm. at the summit, we had people there from um, France and people from Saudi Arabia. And so people are looking for the knowledge on how to be a, a good coach and how to utilize some of those strategies we're going to talk about. Um, all we, We're just going to talk about a ton of topics. And so... The instructional coaching membership is what I'll call it right now. (laughs) Um, It's just, it's going to be about a a video. So it's a video platform. Um, When you join, there will be some videos already in there. So you don't have to wait. Uh, Chrissy and I are going to get that together. And there will be videos that you already have when you join there. And then we're going to do a monthly live um, webinar type uh, video where you guys can log into it live. You'll be able to see whatever it is that we're teaching you. We're going to give you a, a, a note guide, taking guide to go with it and some support materials that goes along with that. Um, there'll be some bonuses that we'll give along the way um, throughout the year. So if you're a part of that, you'll have that. So you'll have that live video and then we'll come in um, for our members only and we'll do a monthly Q&A. So sometimes you'll get both Chrissy and I, sometimes you'll get just Chrissy, sometimes you'll just get me, um, but you'll have support for both of us as far as instructional coaching, where we'll do a Q&A every month. You guys submit the questions to us and we just give you um, our point of view or our solutions based on our experiences. Um, I think that's the biggest key point. The resources are going to be there, the videos, uh, recording of all of those webinars um, that you that you get. So if you stay with us for a year, hey, you'll have almost, what, 15 videos 
that's a lot of information. Yeah, 15, 20 videos um, Mm -hmm. that will be there to to, that you can pop in at any time. Um, If you're frustrated and you're going to work with a teacher or something like that, like you're across, you're dealing with resistant teachers. Maybe you want to walk, pop in and and watch the video to prepare you um, to get ready. For that meeting, um, we'll take it step by step for a lot of the um, the video. So it's going to be like a, a a training, training at your fingertips, really. Yes. Yeah. How to actionable practices, things that you can apply right away. And that's what I'm most excited about because that is what coaches need. Um, so thank you so much, Nicole, for joining us today. This was so much fun and so exciting to talk about your feedback ideas. I love the video feedback practice, and I'm sure a lot of coaches are going to implement that in their classrooms. Yes, that's awesome. Yeah. And then um, in the show notes, I'm going to leave a couple of links for you. I'm going to add a link to the membership so you can check out that um, membership that's going to be launching on February 11th. And uh, that's specifically for instructional coaches. And then I'm also going to leave a link for you for the five days plus one challenge for coaching resistant teachers. That's going to help you walk through a roadmap, a basic roadmap of how you can start changing the trajectory of your relationship with teachers. And I'll give you some insight on providing feedback to those teachers as well. Nicole, is there anything anywhere you want to direct people in the show notes? Um, sure. Hopefully well, we could put the blog in there. And then I do have that video form um, that people could. Oh, cool. If they want yeah. <laughs> the video great. Uh, form that I have. It's like a buck or something. It's not like super expensive. <laughs> yeah, we could probably find a buck lying around. Um, yeah. Money well spent. So yeah, we'll put the link to that form as well in the show notes so you guys can check it out and add that to your coaching repertoire. So thanks for listening in. I'm really excited to be working with you guys via this new um, mode of communication and uh, happy coaching. Happy coaching. Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching. Happy coaching.